right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Talking Pit. I'm extremely excited for our guest today, Eric McMahon. A little bit of background about Eric, and he'll also dive into some more detail. Uh, Eric is a coaching and sports science program manager at the NSCA. He is also a podcast host, probably 10 times better than me, um, uh, for the NSCA coaching podcast. So if you haven't tuned into that, make sure you guys check it out. Um, but I've known Eric for a little while now, and I'm really excited to have him on the podcast just because he has such a diverse background with a lot of different knowledge about a lot of different things. So first things first, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Stephanie, thank you. Yeah, excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, Eric, first things first, let's dive into, uh, can you just give a, a brief overview of your professional background um, and possibly just some things that maybe people wouldn't read on your like NSCA bio uh, or see on your resume? Yeah, totally. So came to the NSCA in 2020 uh, out of a professional baseball career. I was in baseball for about 14 years uh, across a couple different organizations and just had a really good experience on the coaching side. Uh, I really gravitated towards working in professional sports uh, and, and that was just a really great experience for me to learn the profession and now in this role, an opportunity to give a lot of that back. I discovered strength and conditioning as a college football player uh, at a small Division three school in upstate New York. And uh, it was just a really, uh, it was a good experience. But I think in any uh, Division three type opportunity, you realize there's some really great things about your training. And maybe a few things that you wish you had a little bit different. And through that process, I just discovered the NSCA and strength and conditioning, and it put me on a path. Uh, some things that maybe you wouldn't see in my bio. I have I have a family, I have four kids. And so that's that's really evolved over uh, over my coaching career and maybe changed, changed some things up in terms of career path and the way things are, are headed. But I, I really do... Uh, you know, I love my family and it's great out here in Colorado Springs. So baseball took me all over the country and now this role, I get to travel quite a bit as well. So really enjoying where I'm at. Man, you have your own team. I love that. Four yeah. kids. Oh my gosh. I can't yeah, we play, we play that, long. uh, we play the prevent defense. I'm just trying not to get beat deep by those kids. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's dangerous. Some of my daughters they like to try to push the envelope a little bit, but we got it. We got it under control. Yeah, you're training them up already. I like it. Girl, dad, big fan as well. Um, hopefully, they're a lot better than me as a child. I was I was not good. That's why I don't have kids right now because my parents always tell me <laughs> if I have kids, they'll be ten times worse than me. And I'm like, ooh, that will not be good for anybody. So here we are. Um, I can be the cool <laughs> aunt to everyone's kids. That's what I tell myself. But um, awesome, awesome. Well, Eric, moving to the next question. Um, I know a lot of people and including myself are curious because you went from being uh, working in baseball, you know, like SNC boots on the ground practitioner to now being in your role with the NSCA. Can you give us just a little bit more detail behind like what does a day in the life for Eric look like and just a little bit more um, information upon just what your responsibilities are with the NSCA because clearly it's important for all of us. Um, being in the the SNC elements day to day. Yeah, totally. I I uh when I got this job, I realized that I knew Scott Caulfield, who had what the job was before I came into it. And I realized really quickly that this job has a really broad uh description to it. Uh everything from hosting a podcast, something I'd never done before to uh, representing the NSCA at various events uh, around the world at times and traveling internationally, traveling across the U.S., dropping into college weight rooms, high school weight rooms. And so the way I like to describe it is, yeah, there's a lot of public speaking. There's a lot of uh, podcasts and sharing of information and resources. But on the other side, uh, there's a project management aspect to it of resource development. And we're always developing new resources at the NSCA and providing really the strategy insight. So if we're talking about something that's relevant for coaches and my job is essentially to bring that to the NSCA on the education side, on the professional development side, to make sure that what we are developing is relevant for you in the field. And for and when I say you in the field, it's it's you at this career stage. It's you getting into the field, you know, your first job. 
it's you 10, 15 years from now when you're at a different career stage. So there's uh, the NSCA has 60,000, over 60,000 constituents worldwide that we try to serve. Uh, there's no one resource. There's no one certification. There's no one tool that's going to just be the perfect thing for everybody. And so my job is really to grasp as much of that reach as possible and pull it in, communicate it to the NSCA. And also on the other side, when we do have a resource, when we have things to put out to the community, I get to be that voice and share what we're working on uh, and, and field a lot of the feedback that comes in. So really kind of a two-way communication role that I have. And it, it really challenges me. And it's something I um, I take really seriously, just being really connected to this profession, like, like a lot of us are. But I know this is like, we were just talking about kids. I mean, this is, there's a, we're connected with a lot of people and we can have a huge impact as strength and conditioning, as sports science professionals. And uh, I just want to help that grow even more. Definitely. And one thing, just getting to know you over the last couple of years, right, is just asking you questions about how we can better service, whether it's our volunteer interns, our paid interns, our our fellows with sports science, um, developing that framework for really their curriculum, you know, and a lot of the time, like as of right now, our volunteer SNC interns or sports science interns, like we can't pay them financially. So like we need to be finding a way educationally, you know, to develop them and, and pay them through knowledge, ideally. So um, you touched on it a little bit, Eric. Can you talk about um, just from a professional development standpoint for SNC coaches and then also um, sports scientists coming up in the field? Talk a little about your framework with the NSCA. And um, if you're going to share information with me, um, so possibly how to improve my internship or what's kind of lacking in a lot of schools, what have you seen as you're kind of like talking about like this really broad thousand foot view of like servicing 60,000 people plus or whatever it may be? Like, what does that look like? What's missing? And any any ideas or things like that that you can kind of give to, to people like myself? Yeah, I think one really cool thing about the role I have is that I get to see things from from that 30,000 foot view, from a really high altitude where you you get to see the processes of maybe how things have come together over over multiple years or how groups within our profession connect with each other or don't connect with each other and maybe get to the why uh, the root causes of some of the, so maybe some of the tension in our field at times that that is harder to see when your boots on the ground. So when I think of our framework for professional development and education, obviously we have, uh, it really starts with publications uh, as the core basis of information that the NSCA has put out over many years. Uh the peer-reviewed journals, the textbooks that have um, they're they're used today by students, by professors, uh, researchers all over the world to spread knowledge about strength and conditioning. And it's not just strength and conditioning. I'm the coaching and sports science program manager, but it's we have books on tactical strength and conditioning, on special populations, on personal training, on private sector. So it really goes. I, I'm always the reminder that we are we were founded with our coaching audience and our coaches are the heart and soul of our NSCA community, but we are much bigger and broader than we, than we started. And so resource development is a huge element there. Uh, but when I think about that, it, it evolves, you know, to certification and from there it evolves more towards professional development. So when you talk about a framework I really see a journey, you know, I joined the NSCA 20 years ago when I was in college. And I was just happy. I was lucky to find it. Really, I, I someone mentioned it to me, and uh, I just saw value in a student membership really quickly. And I joined, and I started getting the journals. And so I think about that often. When I got those journals, what kind of information did I have access to at that early career stage? From that information, what was I able to do with it? I remember looking at a lot of bios of coaches in the field. Because that was all that was available or job descriptions that maybe I knew I wasn't ready for yet, but they were valuable because it put me on a path towards pursuing the credentials and the information I needed to figure out what my next steps were. 
So I think about that'd be like our job board and resources like that. And then I got into coaching and I started, I, I remember saying, I don't really care how much money I make. I really just want to have a salary and benefits and like a real job, like a full-time job so I can say I have one. And so there's that career stage that we serve coaches that are that are there, kind of that early professional experience coming out of internship stage stages. Uh, and then I was with the Rangers for, for a long time and had a great run there and really continued trying to advance myself uh, as a, as a professional, uh, in a lot of different areas, not just strength and conditioning. And so I think we see that. And I know you guys do a ton of continuing education with your staff and interns that I think there's that kind of growth mindset phase that happens. You just need to pour into yourself and get as much information about how you can be a better communicator, how you can be a more effective instructor, teacher, coach, uh, mentor at various stages. Cause we're still young professionals at that stage. And we, uh, and then from there, it just continues to evolve. And I think, I think we historically have had a lot of materials for young professionals getting into the field, uh, kind of gateway resources, if you will, for the profession. And as our, our generations of coach start to, uh, come into our own, we realize there's more of a need for, where are we going to be in 10 years, 15 years? What what type of leadership roles? I know you have a, a leadership position at Pitt. Those roles didn't exist 10, 15 years ago as much, you know, the, the assistant AD or associate AD type roles. And I find myself challenging coaches at times. I'm like, hey, don't set the bar there. Maybe you'll be the athletic director someday, you know, even beyond that. So I think, uh, I think we continue to grow and advance. Uh, sports science fits into that because it really integrates everything together. And I, I think we're way past the point where people just want to go to the weight room and figure out what their what their lift is for the day and get it done. They want to know the why of what that is. And I think that's where sports science comes in to really give you a deeper dive of information as to why you're doing what you're doing on a daily basis. And so there's there's a lot there, but somewhere in that answer, I gave you a framework for how I view professional development and education and all the NSCA resources that we have. And uh, I do find myself trying to organize and reorganize that in answer to a question like that pretty often, because I think those are questions people have. How do I navigate all of the resources available? Yeah. And I think like you were talking about when you signed up, a few years back, you know, um, <laughs> for your, your student membership. It's like back when I was coming up in the field, that was around like 2012, you know, and social media and even the crazy internet or email, like the resources that are out now versus 10 years ago, when I started, it's vastly different. And back then it was like, you were just trying to buy books and invest in yourself. And now it's like, there's so many free resources and it's, we have to educate the young people of like, what's good, you know, what's something that's in the middle. And then what are some things maybe to stay away from, especially as they're preparing to take their exam and making sure you're working through the textbook because sometimes they can get confused, you know, with like, well, I read this, but I'm reading this question and like the answer, I'm not really sure because I heard this over here and that over there. So how do I kind of like work through? And you said like going back to the roots of, of where things started um, with looking at the the publications, the textbooks and preparation of, and then all the other things can kind of come afterwards as you continue to develop that toolbox of um, who you kind of are as a practitioner, you know? And uh, one thing that we've been trying to figure out how to navigate, and I know a lot of other practitioners in the field too, is now that we have, like when I came up in the field, like there weren't strength and conditioning interns and there weren't sports science interns, like all in one space. Now it's really cool. Like where our intern offices, we have all these different people um, with different backgrounds and in the same spot. But even when we're interviewing people, like we'll have interns apply and be like, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of the strength conditioning internship or the sports science internship. Like, I don't really know what I want to do yet. And when we tell them, we try to create, and I don't know if it's right, wrong, and different, but for our internships, we do have overlap of like, let's say Fridays, we do hybrid meetings. You know, we bring the, the strength interns, the sports science interns into the same meeting room. We take them through different things and different topics. And it's like, it's still very relevant for both areas and they need to know it. 
And then it's starting to allow kids to kind of figure out like, okay, I do like these things. So maybe I should go this route. Um, but we don't tell them like, Hey, if you come in, you're only solely going to be doing X. It's like, let's, let's try to create a, a hybrid situation where on Fridays they kind of can get both. Um, because like kind of coming up in the field, we had to do both. So it's just mm-hmm. making it a little bit more organic in nature and not like fixating the framework to be so like forced and rigid. It's a little bit more like loose, uh, and it creates that educational environment where it can be a little bit more organic, but, but yeah, trying to continue to develop these frameworks are super important. I I think it's what you said is really important. And there's a lot there that's really relevant right now. I think we don't know where all these things fit yet. Uh, what's the difference between strength and conditioning and sports science? I, I think that they're, they're, Two in the same, they they work well together. I think we've been doing testing and evaluation on the strength and conditioning side for forever, but we're taking it to the next tier. And so there is an additional skill set on the sports science side that I think is it's important to learn those differences as we go. But when I find myself talking to like an undergrad student, for example, well, they're not going to have really the knowledge or experience yet to really know the difference of maybe what their best fit is on coaching or sports science. And a lot of times I find myself recommending even someone that I think is probably more analytical or uh, more in tune on the sports science side. I do encourage them to go get their CSCS and go pursue strength and conditioning because those credentials open doors for you. You don't know what job you're going to have where you might be required to have both. And it's going to be beneficial for you to check those boxes earlier on and be a sports scientist that's really well-rooted in the weight room and knows how to apply things there. Um, In the baseball world, it's interesting because we have performance science staffs that are growing uh, in addition to strength and conditioning, and some teams have that more than others. But there's also baseball R&D, which if you want to think about what that is, it's like it's kind of like Moneyball, where, you know, that's more of a front office type mindset of baseball statistics. Uh, you start getting into some of the launch angle, which I guess you can in in, in batted ball velocity and those things are those metrics are used. But more in terms of a game performance. So is that sports science? It's 100% sports science. But that aspect is typically pretty detached from the weight room. I'd say it's getting a little less detached. But baseball is a good example where you have strength and conditioning, which is very applied day to day, get ready to play, get your lift in, those sort of things. Then you have the performance science, which would be force plates in the weight room, uh, you know, monitoring during conditioning, those sort of things, uh, matching in-game demands. Uh, and then you have the baseball R&D, which is more game outcomes. What's actually happening out there, Velo- pitching velocity, uh, performance trends over the course of the season. So that's a good example of not every sports scientist is the same. There's a, there's a wide array of skill sets and knowledge required, but coming in, I think in North America, coming in with a knowledge of strength and conditioning and the sports science uh, disciplines, you know, the analytics and uh, testing evaluation competencies, I think are, are really valuable for, uh, for everybody. Definitely. And I think, uh one thing that I know we're trying to kind of build out, like aligning, ideally building out these two departments at the same time is sports science and then also sports analytics or data analytics. And we're trying to figure out kind of similar to what you're saying, like, all right, performance science or sports science, and then whether it's baseball R&D or like baseball um, analytics, like whatever you're calling these different things, how are they aligning together and what makes the most sense as we kind of build these both these departments out, give them new budgets, give them staffing, things like that. like. Where can we actually collaborate on projects, you know, what makes sense from an integration standpoint? And then what kind of is like, hey, daily workflow, you do X, I do Y. And then we come together on these big projects at some point throughout the year. I think uh, that's definitely one area that my wheels are turning on and I'm trying to get better with as we 
are building out um, a larger infrastructure just around the data in the athletics world day to day, you know, but um, totally. really interesting. And um, I think that takes me into, so you're, you're definitely familiar with kind of our setup with the sports science master's program that we have. It's a one-year master's program here at Pitt. And um, we're lucky that all these master's students are embedded within athletics, not only here um, with Pitt, but Carnegie Mellon down the street and some other places and pro teams here in Pittsburgh. But we're trying to really guide these students into not only getting their CSCS, because I think that's extremely important, and some master's students are already coming with it, but uh, your new exam that is uh, newer, that's been out for a little while now, right, Um, the Certified Performance and Sport Scientist exam. Um, We're really trying to prepare from a budget standpoint, just like when we budget for our, let's say, paid interns or GAs or whatever it may be, to take the CSCS, um, we're really trying to prepare for the um, CPSS exam budgeting for this upcoming year for some of our students to take the exam. So I'm curious, um, can you give us a little bit more in-depth information around the exam? Maybe things that like we can look online, but maybe you can dive a little bit deeper into whether it's the exam outline, um, the content summary, and then even from like however far back, the beta testing that you guys kind of went through, things that you learned and then layout and uh, what would you kind of say for if we had a sports science master's student going in to take it, how could they best prepare ideally or how I could help them? Yeah, I I do think uh, th- those are great questions. And as we continue to roll out more resources for sports science, I think that we're going to address these really head on with, with direct resources. But the one thing that sports science isn't one discipline, it's a lot of different disciplines. Uh, everything from the analytics and engineering side to the physiology performance side. And then you have practitioners and researchers within those realms. So uh, this exam really works across all levels of sports science uh, that that you would want that you'd want to have basic competency in. And I think that uh, the number one thing to know going into this exam is that, uh, it's a higher level uh, taxonomy that you would uh, of how questions are asked. So what does that mean in terms of exam writing? So that means that it's more case study based. It's more what you learn in the field uh, by applying scientific concepts and answering questions in a scientific way as they relate to athletic performance. There are journal articles on the exam that you need to know how to read and understand a journal article, need to know how to uh, look through different sections of a journal article and uh, and pull information that's relevant to answer a variety of questions. Um, There's other case study examples that might, might, for example, relate to like a return to play scenario. Um, evaluating workload progressions over time and making decisions, um, sort of best practice decisions on what you, how you should progress an athlete within an interdisciplinary team environment, feedback from an athletic trainer, feedback from uh, the strength and conditioning staff, uh, anyone involved, the dietitian. I think it's, uh, we're seeing sports science grow immensely, the number of areas represented. And so uh, that was the challenge of this exam writing process is that it pulls from a lot of different areas. It's actually very innovative to include research articles on a, on a, a, on a credentialing exam. Nobody had really done that before in, in our space. And so developing even just the template of how we were going to do that and working with test centers to, to do that. Uh, it's been a process since 2018 just to build the content sufficient to be able to write an exam. And then you do a lot of statistical testing of to make sure, you know, it's like any sports scientist would know. You have to validate the exam and the elements on the test to make sure you're testing what is intended uh, with every question. So, uh, the process of exam writing really uh, is a scientific process. I'm, I learned a lot of that coming into the NSCA, but uh, it's something that kind of fun to nerd out on in, in this role because I can I can 
apply some of those analytical skills from the field in a different area. But I do think it's um, it's the future for professionals that want to work in a sports science role. It's something that just like we have for strength and conditioning, having a credential next to your name, you know, we can debate these on and on. And this happens in the field. I mean, we see that on Twitter all the time, but it's one of those where credentials aren't going anywhere. Credentials exist in every industry, in every field. Uh, it relates to qualification standards. It also relates to areas of liability and professionalism that are really important for professional growth. And I know as a profession, we care about professional growth. So uh, as we start to build more of those resources, I encourage coaches, professionals, anyone looking at this to think about the long game of a new certification, uh, but it's it's new with a, um, but it's projecting forward. It's looking ahead to when we're going to need this to be able to uh, validate these positions within a performance department to address liability concerns, to be able to improve, improve health and safety of athletes, uh, a lot of different areas that, that are so relevant today. So I, I think it's a really, um, it's been really fun to work on this. And I, I'm excited when students reach out and they want to know this and, uh, I know Pitt and your master's program and really engaged on trying to align, uh, curriculum and content with pre preparing students for what's coming in the next few years. And um, I'm glad this is a part of it. Yeah, no, definitely. We include, because uh, of course our director of sports science, Felix Prossel, teaches a class for the master's program, the applied sports science class. And and yeah, chapters of the book are included within um, the master's program in the class. So it's, it's exciting to see and exciting to just start to normalize the book, just kind of being in the hands of the young sports scientists coming up. So exciting times. And yeah, a lot of the back end work, we appreciate you putting in because I'm sure it was a lot uh, to say the least. But um, so it's been interesting because we just formally uh, added our sports science program here at Pitt this past summer um, with Felix Prossel being our director of sports science coming in. Um, and, and he's from Germany, actually, originally, which is kind of oh, funny cool. over in Europe. Um, and, and I oversee training and sports science and working with him and clearly I've been more of the uh, applied setting for the last few years um, and him coming from the neuromuscular research lab and then also from a European model. Um, Eric, you've been to a lot of different universities. You've been all over the world. You've seen this done uh, with lots of different sports. Kind of, can you touch on what do you think in the U.S. we're doing really well from like a sports science standpoint and some of the departments that you visited and and where are we missing the mark, ideally? You know, like where where are we going to look at, like Steph Mock five years from now, be like, man, I, I was totally missing X when I added the sports science department at Pitt. Um, can you kind of talk about those two buckets of what we're doing well and then what can we really improve upon to kind of get like whether it's the exam oriented into things or, or continue to develop so we can build momentum with this area? Yeah, I, I mean... There's a lot there. And I, I think it's one that uh, one thing I think we're doing really well right now. And I, I tend to take the more encouraging route in, in what I communicate, but I think this is a time we are, we're doing really good communication in the field right now. We're sharing a lot of information. Uh, you know, we can pick on social media and things that happen out there, but I love when programs share what they're doing. Uh, there's some risk in that, but there's a lot of benefit to it uh, for all of us to learn uh, where the programs are that sports science is happening. What sports science is to this school versus this school, how they're, you know, you learn the, the culture of our institutions. And I think that's actually something that uh, we should continue to try to improve is Realize that when you add a position, say you add a sports scientist, the goal is to make your institution better. At Pitt, that's going to be different than Texas A&M or another school. Your institution has goals. And that's one of the things I think is really great about working at the college level is these institutions are really influential in their communities, 
their academic disciplines. They, it, it's it, it should be inspiring to all of us to want to be a part of that community as a whole. And I think we can, within athletics, maybe we don't connect those dots all the time, but being part of a a university community or in a professional team, a an, an organization with history and 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 goals, we can latch onto that and build a performance department that really reflects the culture and the values of our institution. And so when we add a sports science position, I fully expect that every school and every program, there's going to be some different needs that need to be addressed. And the sports scientists you hire might be totally different than the sports scientists that a professional baseball team hires or, or something else, just because you, you have specific areas of need that you're trying to address. And that's totally okay. And I think we need to be more open to that as a profession. Sports science isn't one thing. Sports science is a, is a path. It's a scientific process. It's a method that we're, that we're uh, implementing and it should help us. So what are the key areas that you want to address? And I think sometimes we get lucky and we check a lot of boxes when we hire the right person and we can do a lot with the sports scientists because they're so skilled. Uh, but we should have a little more narrow focus on, okay, what are the real core elements we want to accomplish by integrating sports science? Uh, and I do think it gets a little cloudy when we compare internationally to the U.S. And the way I like to think about it is international sports science is really the, it's a, you know, strength and conditioning occurs within that, but there's uh, here in the U.S. strength and conditioning is really the uh, precede sports science in a way, you know, kids are introduced to the weight room probably before they're introduced to analytics and all these sort of processes. And so uh, I see, I see value to realizing that it's, we're in a different country here in the U S North America is going to be different than Europe. It's going to be different than Australia. So things don't have to be exactly how they are over there, but I encourage everybody to think through those processes of why and how you're implementing things. And, uh, but the one thing that is universal is that we all work together well. And I think that goes back to where I started. We we are communicating as a profession really well right now. Uh, even go back to the Twitter debates and all that. I, I think some of those are healthy. Some of those maybe not so healthy, but it's it in general, I think it's a good thing that we are open to sharing because that truly gets us to why we develop sports science as a program, why we, why we, why we want best practices in general. Definitely. I think back to when I was truly like developing the department formally and going through whether it was the interview process, right? Like kind of, you're talking about the case studies and I know we're moving into our new facility. We're going to have a space just for sports science. Part of the interview process was, Hey, design that space and how you look to utilize it, you know, take this data set, make it into a presentation. How are you going to present this to different sport coaches or the performance team? I think I had a couple of people that were super integral and helpful to me. Um, Travis Blentes being at Texas, he kind of had like the SNC background and now he's developed into a director of sports science and even Joe club. It's more of like a consultant type role. Like those two were super helpful and just gave their time to me to be like, Hey, these are some things that I think can help get it off the ground and be successful. And what would be good to kind of have in the interview process to how to execute to really figure out like who's going to be able to fit into, like you said, like your model or framework at PICS, it may be different in regards to another university because we're heavily academic married, um, whether it's with our sports science master's program, whether it's with the neuromuscular research lab, um, partnering with them with different studies and then grant writing, like, are you able to do that, you know, to get some money? Um, but I think having that skill set and really making sure that you're vetting that out throughout the interview process is so important. Um, but then also like now that I've kind of done it, got it off the ground, like what did I learn? What could I have done better? I think when people reach out to me about it, like it's, it's doing my due diligence to kind of give it back um, to the field of, Hey, let me be honest of like things that allowed me to be successful and then maybe not as successful. So kind of like to your point of whether it's things on Twitter, you know, or like on Instagram that you may see, 
as you kind of are doing this, just making sure you communicate and kind of help each other out because we want to, we want to see this area grow, you know, whether it's in the college pro realm and, and all the above. So it's been exciting, but kind of going off my two people that I reached out to to develop our department, uh, Eric, I'm curious if you've kind of been traveling around and talking to some different folks who are, let's say, two to three people within the, the sports science realm that, that you've reached out to that you have a lot of respect for and maybe are good resources for people as they're building out departments? Your thoughts? Yeah, I uh, there's a few people on my on my list that I call and I had to do this when I came to the NSCA and I, I actually I actually got hired as a coaching program manager, but very quickly realized that I was going to be leading the sports science effort. And so uh, I think like like anyone in this space, I had to call everyone I knew and say, okay, what is sports science to you? You know, and I mean, just see kind of what resonates and where, um, because in this role, it's not just my voice. My voice has to reflect your voice and everyone, you know, where I'm, what I'm hearing across, across the field. Um, I think back to some conversations, you know, like anyone, I call the people I know first, and then I start re- reaching out. And one guy I always call, uh, I remember a lot of batting practice conversations when he was a strength coach with the uh, with the Northwest Arkansas AA team for the Royals, Austin Driggers. He is with the Kansas City Royals now. And uh, I remember just going down a conditioning heart rate, uh, heart rate, GPS rabbit hole with him during batting practice one day. So he's always been someone I, I reach out to on this stuff because I, I value his input a lot. And he, uh, he's a deep thinker about even the most basic conditioning processes that, that we do. And so he was someone I reached out to, um, Dr. Tim Sukumel, who is with, um, at Carroll university is someone that, uh, I've been really fortunate to work with, in our special interest group for sports science and we're developing a lot of projects there and he's really shown great great leadership uh not just in his research efforts but just through the nsca being a speaker being a volunteer and contributing on so many levels so that's someone i um i i connect with as much as possible because he he's got a lot of knowledge to share and uh, paul comforts on our board of of directors and um and he, him and Tim worked together on a lot of papers and, and that group at Sulphur, John McMahon, they, they do some really great work over there in the UK. So I try to connect with them, but, but some folks that, uh, I guess I'll go down the international route. I, I talked to, uh, Jonathan Weekly uh, in Australia, he's at Australian Catholic university and someone I connected with just reading a lot of his papers in the JSCR on VBT. And uh, like anybody, you gravitate towards certain people. You like their writing style. And uh, and I cited a few of his papers in my presentation. So just kind of got the connection going. And he's just got a lot of fire and energy. We'll have him speaking at our national conference upcoming in uh, Las Vegas this summer. And uh, Josh Seacom as well spoke at the NSCA a few years ago. From uh, He was a representative of the ASCA at our conference, because we do a conference exchange and uh, had him on my podcast. And around the time you were on the podcast, Stephanie, I think it was uh, probably over a year ago now, but he, uh, I always thought it was cool. He did his PhD in surfing with Surfing yeah. Australia. And so I, I just love the unique uh, conversations you can have and just looking at different athleticism areas that that I'd never even thought about sports science for surfing, you know, that's, that's so out there for, for most of us. Right. Uh, and he now works in doing some hockey stuff. So it, who would have thought Australia. So those are, those are my people right there. I, I connect with everybody though. And I think it's, uh, it's great to, you know, I, I was always a little torn on, should I go the academic route? I really love research and reading and all this. I always kind of kept my toe dipped into that. Should I go the coaching route? I was that was really what I was ca- called towards of going the practitioner out and coaching and helping athletes and giving back that giving back that athletic experience I had that it was positive. Uh, but I like now that I get to do a little bit of both. So, yeah, well, I appreciate you giving kind of 
some people here in the States and then some people over yonder. Gosh, surfing. I don't know if I meant to do some surfing. That would be good. Wild and crazy. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, awesome. Well, to really bring this thing home, land this plane, one would say, I'm curious, the NSCA, because you're always up to something, Eric, and pushing the envelope and, and developing. Do you guys have any exciting projects coming up or um, any cool resources that would be coming out that uh, people should be on the lookout for? Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I encourage people to listen to the NSCA coaching podcast. I think it's something that we're going into our seventh season and, uh, it's something that, uh, I inherited from Scott Caulfield after the third season. And, uh, it's just a really great conversation and opportunity. And I think the intention of this initially was let's hear the voices from the field. And so now we've done, uh, nearly 150 episodes over over a number of years. And it's exciting to look back on some of those. And I think one of my favorite things is when I'm out at a, you know, at a uh, site visit or at a conference and someone's like, hey, I heard you talk about this on the podcast. Like, where can I get more info? Or someone, uh, uh, a friend at a grad program uh, hit me up the other day and said, hey, a student on their admissions essay for our master's program, just mentioned that they learned about our school because you were talking about it uh, with a guest on our podcast. So that was pretty cool. You know, it it's meaningful when, I mean, you know, they're, they're hoping to go to that school and start their career that way. And just to be able to have that impact is uh, we, we want to continue to share that. We have the NSA national conference coming up in July. Uh, in Las Vegas. I think it's going to be really well attended being in Las Vegas. We're at Caesars Palace. Uh, it will, uh, I think it's the first time we've had it at Caesars. We've been at Paris and a few other hotels there, but Caesars is always a pretty cool, cool theme place to go. Uh, maybe, maybe relevant to strength and conditioning in some ways. I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, but that's going to be great. And we're going to have, uh, we have the lineup up online right now. So we're working hard on that. Uh, we have two new professional development groups. One, we have four actually, but two that I'm responsible for, uh, college coaching and high school coaching. And uh, in the different areas, these groups have been tasked with making recommendations to the board of directors. And we're working on five or six specific projects in each of those areas right now that we're going to start rolling out over the next few years. So the idea with a professional development group is that, you know, college coaching isn't a special interest group like like it used to be. It's really a career path. And so we want that to be the focus, professional development to be the focus of the NSCA going forward. And so these groups have a lot of responsibility to develop tools and resources and really be really be your voice uh, within the NSCA on the constituent side. So uh, a lot of volunteer efforts going right now and uh, just trying to ramp things up in the high school space. That's a very, I mean, there's a lot of career opportunity in high school strength and conditioning that, um, that, that we need more traction to gain more traction in, I think. And uh, college strength and conditioning, there's always work to be done. You were talking, you know, uh, adding positions, building positions, budgeting, working a lot with coaches on how to advocate for themselves, uh, what skills we have as coaches, what skills we don't. So I always have a lot going on, Stephanie, you know that. So I could, I could keep talking, but I won't for the sake of the episode and I'll turn it back to you. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of people, hopefully they're taking notes, but I know we'll be sending some people out to Vegas for sure. Um, in the summertime. And then also, yeah, I think the one great thing about podcasts, like especially yours that you have is um, I do have like a commute in and out of the city. So it's a, a way for me to kind of tune in and whether you're flying on a, a a plane, going somewhere with a team, traveling, I think podcasts, that's where they really thrive, you know, and there's always great information and a little bit easier to listen than sometimes read in certain situations. So really grateful that you, you started the podcast seventh season. Congrats to you. I'm just trying to get this thing off the ground. So that's really awesome to hear. And um, definitely I'll have to go through some episodes on my next trip a hundred percent, but uh, yeah. 
thank you for sharing all those. But last thing, uh, I think it's always important to kind of give credit to to people that have come throughout your career, you know, and how you've gotten to, to where you're at today. And I'm curious, I'm sure you have a lot of mentors um, that you want to give credit to, but um, a couple of mentors that kind of stand out in your mind as of right now and maybe share a little bit of like really great knowledge they gave you to kind of allow you to project into your spot that you're in today. I'm curious. Yeah. I, uh, that is always a really hard question for me to answer one. Cause I, I get to meet a lot of people and I tend to see good qualities in a lot of people, but I I've always considered mentors to be really anyone you can learn from. And so there's mentors that you you know, that you want to be like and that you want to find, you know, follow in their career footsteps. Um, I, have, I have a few people that I just love how their family mindset and how they raise their kids and those sort of things. So um, I definitely look at this question very broadly and diverse. But when I got into the profession, I, uh, I joined the NSCA and I wasn't an exercise science major. I, I, really didn't know any strength and conditioning coaches. And so I wouldn't say I had a mentor in the field. A lot of the people I was learning from, they might have, they were exercise scientists. They were PhDs in exercise phys. They they weren't really coaching, but I could learn the, the book knowledge from them. And I mean, all the professors over the years, like that's, that's really the foundation for me of learning what I learning the information that was out there, but also realizing there, there is more on the practitioner side. So, uh, in terms of specifics, I, I always considered, you know, I, I only met him in the past three, four years, but I always really, I really gravitated towards Alan Hedrick, uh, in what he wrote about in all the uh, strength and conditioning journals. He, um, he, he would just take on a different topic. It seemed all the time, you know, and I was like, one was conditioning. One was Olympic lifts. He was at air force Academy. He was doing some unique stuff with like water filled dumbbells stuff. I, I mean, that was way out there at the time and probably still way out there in a lot of ways, but it was innovative and that got my, uh, gears turning a little bit. And so I always looked up to what he was doing, never having met him, and it was actually my first day in the office at the NSCA. And I, I probably mentioned that in an interview at some point. And uh, uh, my boss, Scott Douglas, came down and goes, hey, just so you know, Alan Hedrick's down in the performance center working out right now. You should go introduce yes. yourself. I told him you're here. And so uh, that was the first time I met him. So, But I consider people like that mentors, people you can learn from. And hopefully there's people out there that consider both of us mentors you know, that maybe we don't know that well yet. Uh, but I encourage all those people to come up and say hello and and let us know, you know, how we're helping. I want to know if you heard something that that I said that puts you on a path because I want to keep sharing that information if it if it works. And uh, or if you have questions about things that are out there, I love putting information out there. I love sharing. I love this profession. And, uh, I know there's a lot of us that can, can say the same thing. And, um, yeah, if I can unite that effort and create a culture of mentorship and, and learning, uh, through my time at the NSCA, that's really why, why I do this. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a really cool way of looking at mentors in regards to, like, I even think about somebody that comes to mind that actually just got back to Pittsburgh, um, is, uh, Tina Murray. She's over oh, all yeah. the performance of the Penguins now. So I'm like, man, when she got the role and I saw she was coming to town when I was at Clemson and she was at Louisville, she was always somebody that I looked up to for like the framework that she built at Louisville. And I heard her present at uh, the Notre Dame Performance Summit the one year. And I was like, all right, hey, like these are some ideas that I'm like taking a lot of notes at. So whenever I got the opportunity at Mississippi State, I was like, man, kind of thinking about some of the stuff she presented on. And now that we're both like lined up in Pittsburgh, I'm like, oh, this is really cool to have um, a lot of good resources right here in the area that we can kind of collaborate on. So it's been fun. I think that's something for young coaches to to hear just talking through this episode is you kind of want your worlds to collide in this profession. And, you know, for example, I met Tina Murray when I was, I used to drive from Massachusetts to Arizona for spring training early in my career. Cause that's, that was, 
cheaper than some other things, but I needed my car for the season. I was on the, on the West coast, but I used to stop into Louisville and, uh, I knew Mary Kate and Adam fight who were coaching there at the time. And I'd go check out a few lifts and that's where I met Tina Murray for the first time. And, uh, I followed her career since and, uh, just someone I connect with now at the NSCA. So I think it's cool when your worlds collide or when you connect with someone that maybe you've read their stuff or, uh, the fun thing about this role is that sometimes they'll call me and they'll have some things they really want to discuss that I, that I need, you know, that are, uh, points of contention or they need, they want to understand something more. And I think that's okay too. Uh, so I, I like fielding, uh, all sorts of calls here at the NSCA and I totally understand that it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. No. Definitely call you more, Eric. Get ready. <laughs> You're someone that can help us all out. You know, you sit in the right chair that um, you could be an advocate for us. So we appreciate that. And you've done the coaching realm. So you kind of understand what we all sit because you've done it. So that's super awesome. But okay, well, Eric, I've eaten up enough of your time, right? I really appreciate all your uh, great information you shared um, in this episode and really just to bring things home so people can follow up with you. Uh, what's the the best way to reach you, whether it's social handles, um, email, we can put that, of course, in the bio of the episode, but give a little bit of feedback on that and then we can close things out. Yeah, I got uh, Instagram. I'm, I'm not that cool, but I try to be on Instagram. Uh, Eric McMahon, CSCS. Uh, that's the same on Twitter. So uh, I'm on there probably a little less. And I'm on LinkedIn too. I, a lot of people reach out on LinkedIn. So uh, I put that one out there. So really, you can contact me anyway. And uh, I I try to get back to you as 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 quickly as I can uh, when I'm checking these things. And uh, if it takes me a little time, please be patient with me. I'm trying. So thank you. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric. Twitter, Instagram. It's always great when the the name is the same. It makes life super easy. I know. Uh, it's linked up. But... Benefit, benefits of being an early adopter. Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully a lot of people travel out to Vegas so they can see you um, over the summertime. And thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you.